Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now, here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Where's it from? He's gone! Johnny has won it! Welcome to episode 26 of the Marshall Street Podcast, where two Washup SEO alumni cut into all things Syracuse Sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. Like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. I'm Jake, that's Keith. And Keith, for the first time since we started this podcast last year, we get to talk about the football team winning a game. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really occur to me. That's pretty incredible. Because the first so one we, we get did, all ten losses, just not the win. The first one we did was after the Liberty game, so we did like a fi- rapid fire recap of the first four. The Liberty was the first one we talked about in like its entirety, and then after that, it was just seven losses in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, no words for that one. Yeah, but um. It's it's a victory Monday finally. Uh, Syracuse snapped an eight game uh, an eight game losing streak on the road against Ohio, twenty nine to nine. Um, all things considered, good showing by the Orange. It was it was slow at times. I think it was kind of maybe a little bit bland with play calling. I think might be the the right way to put it. But all things considered, good showing by the Orange. Yeah, how concerned are we about Nebraska, USC, UNC poaching Dino away? <laughs> Is that coming back? <laughs> can we fire that one? Of the, <laughs> can we fire that take up again? No, it, it was a good win. And I was, you, you kind of expect to beat a MAC team by 20. But, but given all the circumstances this year, mm-hmm. we were a little more reluctant to go ahead and pound the table and say that would be the case. But it was a convincing win and looked pretty sharp overall for being an opener so I was pretty impressed yeah for sure and it it was close it was close for a while it was 15-6 with six minutes to go almost in the third quarter before we pulled away but overall I thought the defense was great um I know we'll talk about the quarterbacks but Tommy he there wasn't a lot he we didn't take a lot of deep shots I thought a lot of it was get the ball get the ball out quick kind of thing little screen stuff over the middle only 17 passes for 92 yards. Did not see Garrett Schrader until the last drive. He only threw one pass. Um, I guess let's start with that, Keith. I, remember I tweeted during the game that I was I was very surprised that we didn't see Tommy DeVito. Not necessarily that I was mad. Schrader, you mean? He, what? That we didn't see Schrader, you mean? Schrader, yes, I'm sorry. That we didn't see Schrader. I, I, not in the sense that I was mad. Just that I was very surprised, just based on what Dino was saying, like leading up. Like it, it just seems like it seemed like a guarantee in my head that they were going to play both quarterbacks, and like he was, he was fine. He wasn't otherworldly with no mistakes. He wasn't a liability. He did fine. 
Yeah, I agree. I I perceived it that way too because it wasn't just a one time comment. It was kind of a recurring thing that Dino kept saying. So it's it's gamesmanship, I guess, but I wonder if he was just telling Schrader something completely different and be like, yeah, we're actually not going to play you. I'm just going to tell everybody we're going to play you. <laughs> but it, it probably was somewhere in the middle where, like, he was fully prepared to, to hit the button and make the switch if he felt like they needed a jump. And they and just, just didn't feel like they didn't really to. need it. Yeah. Know? So I don't know. I think the game plan overall was pretty much just, like, we don't need to take any deep shots or, or risks with no unnecessary risk. coverage. Like, we're just a straight-up better team, so we're just going to outplay you, mostly on the ground, but also with the, the quick timing routes and stuff like that. So I, I felt like any harsh criticism of Tommy for this one, for, like, the low, I guess, passing yardage was, was pretty unwarranted because that's not, he, he played pretty on, sharp. Yeah, and, like, like, the low passing yardage isn't necessarily totally on him just because, A, the running game was so on point. Um, we had 283 yards rushing, and – all the passes were just like they were short. They weren't we weren't going deep. Like, and I give them credit too. Like, I thought the offensive line played actually pretty good. And the couple times where he was actually in trouble, where we've complained the last few years, where he'd roll out and he'd try and force one and it would get intercepted, he'd throw it away. He'd try and do something with his legs. I thought he played a very smart game, even though it didn't show up on the stat sheet. And like we won. Like the running game carried the offense. Like I I think there's not. There's if you want, if you think there should be more to be desired, that's fine. But I don't think there's really a lot to critique Tommy DeVito on for that game. I'm with you, and we saw Taj get some uh, some good numbers too, passing Marvin Harrison. But mm-hmm. other than that, you you don't look at this offense and see a ton of proven weapons in terms of pass catchers. Like a lot of potential there, but just guys we haven't necessarily seen it at a high level at SU. So I think that was. Part of it too is like we want to lean and get our get our legs under us. I guess that's <laughs> no pun intended with uh, with the run game first, and then and then open up the passing game. And I think do they you, kept the playbook pretty darn vanilla for this one. That's that's what I was gonna ask. I was gonna say, do you think it was an in, it was intentional to leave the playbook kind of like vanilla for the first game, hold some stuff back for Rutgers, and then just kind of like just because it's a, a Power Five team. Um, yeah, I hope I hope so, <laughs> because last year was pretty bland all season long, and I'm hoping that was just due to the personnel issues and you know Chris Elmore having to play guard and just just different limitations we had last season. Hopefully that that's not the case this year, and, and Gilbert can kind of open things up going forward, and and I think he will because especially when Dino was asked certain things, he's just like, yeah, I'm not giving that information out to Rutgers <laughs> so he's been very lock and key so I would be pretty surprised if the playbook didn't open up more as well I would tend to agree with you on that um do you think do you think when you say the playbook will open up do you think we'll see Garrett at all against Rutgers or is it just going to be like more of the same like it's Tommy's job until you know I because I'm starting to think even though like leading up to that game you know kept saying we're going to use both it would be dumb not to use both do you think that it's Tommy's job until he looks like he's not like prepared to play kind of thing until he looks like the struggling quarterback maybe we saw last year when he played? Because I'm starting like after that game, like that just seems like the mindset Dino's in because Tommy didn't do anything spectacular, but he also didn't do anything wrong. So I think he was just sticking with what was working. And I, I kind of think that's what he's going to work going to do going forward. 
whether or not that's fair to Garrett Schrader is another argument. But what do you think? I think that's pretty much right. I would say it's it's definitely Tommy's job until mm-hmm. he does something that proves yeah. it's not or Schrader does something incredible. But I do think we still will see Schrader a little bit in that Rutgers game because I think that's one of the things they wanted to withhold was, all right, we don't really need the spark now. Let's save the spark for when we do need it. And chances are once you play a, a power five team like Rutgers, there's mm-hmm. a better chance you'll, you'll need it. So I think we'll see Schrader. I would not be surprised one bit if we don't, and Tommy just rides it out. But I think you'll you'll get a, a series or two out of him. I'm sorry, I think, think? I think he, I th- I'm going to be very surprised if we don't see him at all. I think maybe in some short yardage stuff, because we've been running a lot of, like, reads and quarterback runs with Tommy. And, like, he's athletic, but, like, running's not his – Forte. He's not like a. He's not like Eric Dungey was, where he could like we would design runs for him and it would be like useful. But we we were working that into the game plan. I'm just surprised we did it so much with Devito. Like the first touchdown was Tommy on a read option scoring with his legs. Um, I, I Given be... that though, are you surprised? Does Does it make you more or less surprised we didn't see Schrader? In other words, it makes it be me like okay, we're like if this is working for Tommy and he's got the better arm. We don't get, we like Schrader's advantage is the athleticism in the legs. Mm-hmm. If we're already getting that out of Tom, do we really need to switch it up? Or is it like, well, Schrader can do this better. Why aren't we putting in him? Like, wh- where do you fall on that? It makes me think that they have stuff drawn up for Schrader just because I think we saw the quarterback running a little bit more than we're used to with DeVito. Uh, I was just very surprised that it wasn't him running those plays. I mean, it's just, I mean, like, it worked. I can't complain. Like, uh, Tommy had 52 yards rushing, and he scored a touchdown. Or 49 yards net, sorry. Rushing, I was looking at the wrong come on the box score. But that's not terrible from a quarterback. Like, he, that's 140 total yards, if my math is close. I don't even think it is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and Aaron Murray said something, which... I didn't realize it was Aaron Murray until they cut away to him. And I think it was like mm-hmm. the second half. But he said that he was surprised they didn't see Schrader in those red zone situations. And to me, that's a little less surprising because it's almost like you're throwing a wrench in things that you don't need to if you're already in the red zone. Like that's just asking for more issues unless it's like a goal line package or something. So I, I wasn't really surprised that they didn't throw him in, in the red zone. I was just surprised he didn't get a, a specific series or even like you know, some random plays here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. I was more surprised we didn't straight up didn't see him at all until the game was away. Um, How about the – this may be on your list too, but do you want to hit the running backs for a second? Yes. Yes, I do. So, Tucker, obviously, incredible game. And he's he's really taking hold of that spot. Were you surprised at all we didn't see more Jarvion Howard or Abdul Adams? It was really Cooper Lutz in the, in the second running back spot. Um – I was a little surprised we didn't see him more, but like Tucker is the best back. Like I don't think it's close. Um, I remember we were talking off air, and I sent you that uh, Brent Axe thought that Tucker was going to hit a thousand yards, and I said I think that's very possible. And you said you weren't sure if he was going to get enough carries. I think he's going to get enough carries. Oh, I have yeah. a shot at it now. Um, <laughs> I was wrong on that one for sure. I I think based on what Dino said. And based on what we saw, I think it's clear Tucker is the number one running back. But I also think it's clear because Lutz was – I mean, he only had five carries, but he was still the running back who had the second most carries. I think it's clear those are the two running backs Dino wants to use. 
And I feel like Adam, Abdul Adams and Jarvion are going to have to be that third guy, like rotating in and out. So I don't even know how much we'll see them all year. And unless one of Lutz or Tucker gets hurt. Um, and again, like we were talking about the quarterbacks, maybe they kept the playbook more vanilla. Maybe they wanted to kind of save their running back depth. But then again, they ran Sean Tucker 25 times. So that doesn't really make any sense. But Sean Tucker, man, 181 yards, scored a touchdown. <laughs> like, and then he had his tweet after the game. Like, what else can you, what else can you say? <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> yep. And that, that guy, I hope he gets uh, some type of sponsorship deal from someone in Syracuse. Cause he deserves oh, it. I mean, he, he's, he's got the personality for it, but yeah, probably the best running backs we've seen at SU since, I don't know, Jerome Smith, maybe. Don Carter, I don't know, but it's it's just incredible, and the fact that he's got so much eligibility ahead of him too is mm-hmm. is crazy. So just just a great performance, and if there was any doubt about who the starting running back is, it's it's all gone now. Like that's his spot. He's so he's the locked it in. So the forty four conversation popping up uh, on the Twitterverse during the game too. Um, yeah, and I think uh, it was Chris Elmore, right, that started that conversation said he might earn 40 give the man 44 or something like that was it him i'm not I, sure i saw it, it all a, over the place i know it was a player it was definitely one of the players that said like you might see him earn 44 so that's kind of how it started I hope, well, where I, do you I stand hope... we, we've been over i think we've talked about this i would like to see 44 brought back just because i think it's an element of tradition that we haven't don't necessarily have like we were talking about when virginia tech had a full house and inner Sandman played when they ran out and jump around for Wisconsin when that happened for the first time in like two years. Crickets <laughs> for UConn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, poor UConn. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that later, but we can have a whole podcast. Oh that. my God. <laughs> Like we were talking about that off air. I'm gonna say we'll save that to the we'll save that to All the right. fair. We'll talk. We'll we will talk about that. But um, I think those schools have like traditions that people are like boom right away. Like if you you'll see that and you'll that's Wisconsin, that's Virginia Tech. I don't think we necessarily have that with a lot of things, but I think 44 is the biggest, and I think bringing it back would help. I think kids recruits with learning about it would strive to get the number so like say sean tucker got the number say he got it this year say we gave it to him in the middle of the year i would i wouldn't want to like change the number every year if sean tucker gets it unless he does something egregious i want him to keep it till he goes and then once he graduates or moves on to the nfl or whatever he does i would pass the number down kind of thing like the coaches or the captains or the team would vote on who gets it that would be what personally i would do um i know people have had different opinions and i know some people just are like why the hell are we talking about this i don't care retiring numbers are stupid and that's a totally fair opinion i'm a yankees fan and they have 800 numbers retired um but i think it's a good piece of tradition that i think we need especially in football i mean basketball's got the traditions that they have i think football needs it i'm with you and i kind of think that it makes it more special like there's certain numbers that are retired mm-hmm. And I suppose they're, like, honored, right? Because do people still wear number five, right? Even though McNabb's up there. It, is his number up? No, those are retired. Those are straight retired. Are they? Because I know, like, was it Marcus Sales used to wear five, but McNabb may have been retired after that. 
in any case, I think. Oh no, Elmore's number five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it almost makes it more special because it's like, yeah, it's a number that's honored, but it still lives on. So you could look at it from that angle, and then you look at the guys who have worn it. Oh, I'm looking at um, Syracuse website right now. Obviously, Rob Conrad being the last one to wear it mm-hmm. and earned every part of it, and it's been mostly running backs, fullbacks, and it would be better. Cool. Like who better than Tucker to to take that over? Like it would also be cool for me. Like I agree with you that I think if we're gonna start again, why not let Sean Tucker start with it? But like after Tucker graduates, I won't say retires. It would be cool to me if like we could if like a linebacker was voted to be number 44 one of the safeties like not a quarterback yeah like Zaire Franklin 44 yeah like yeah or like Trill last year or something like that um or Deuce Chestnut or in a couple years (laughs) um yeah but like I I think that would be cool because I think it would just kind of like expand the tradition just past the running back spot and I know it's been a running back number or a fullback number, like you said, but I think it would just kind of make it more special if it was like given to, to that one person in the team who who deserves it more than anybody else. Like even if it's not a running back kind of thing, like anybody but a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. And again, no offense yeah, to I any of the quarterbacks, but it's right. just not a quarterback number. Anyone else can get away with wearing forty four. So, I don't know how much you followed Syracuse football recruiting at the time. But do you remember the whole saga when we promised to recruit number 44? Yes. So it was, it was uh, Robert Washington, and he was a four-star. It was a big big topic back then. Do this in 2014, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he ended up committing. Um, there was talk about giving it, giving it to him, like, right off the gate. And it obviously never came to fruition because he didn't end up on class uh, end up in the class at SU and then he bounced around to I can't remember where it was like coastal Carolina or something it was like three different schools he ended up at and really didn't didn't have all that successful career but this has been in the in the works for a while now people talking about the subject but I I'd be here for it especially Mm -hmm. do you so I know you mentioned giving it to a different guy every year what are your thoughts on like not doing that but just like if the coach and the players really see one guy who deserves it, like maybe it's sucker. And then we go seven years without a 44 until someone else earns it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I see what you mean. So like, cause that Sean... kind of was the, the system before. I wouldn't, I think that's okay. I think that'd be like a goal for everybody to work for. I, I, I maybe like, so like after Tucker retires and they don't think anybody's worthy, I guess enough to take the number we'd wait a couple of years. And then if somebody's like, matures kind of thing we give it to them i wouldn't hate that i think that'd be fine yeah. i think that would be kind of like a goal for kids like and i know people will say oh they don't know they don't care anymore they get here they learn and they try to work for it like i, I don't I, I think people who say like you don't run on you don't we shouldn't use it because just the kids just don't care i think that's a ridiculous reason um and, and you that that's irrelevant too if you're not even promising it during a recruitment like you have to get on campus right right, right, right. So if, i'm if not you, saying give it to you, a true if freshman. you Right, but I'm saying I'm saying to your point, like if someone doesn't care or respect it, they're not going to get the number anyway. So no, I'm I'm with you, and that kind of contradicts what makes Syracuse so cool too. And you think about it with basketball, like Syracuse has had so many legends that 
today's kids, quote unquote, don't really know of. But then because we've been bad campus, well, bubble. But like when when guys get on campus, like they learn about Lawrence Moton and John Wallace and all these guys, and like they have a real respect for like that's part of the Cubs family. So Mm -hmm. I think the same could be said about football building up that community. And I think I don't care what age someone is. I think everyone knows who Jim Brown is. (laughs) Like that's. Everyone knows who Ernie Davis is, too, and Floyd Little. Like, don't sell yourself short. Those are three Hall of Fame guys. Um, Anyway, we got off on a tangent about 44, but we seem to be pretty much on the same page. Um, Let's jump back to Ohio. What do you think about the pace of the offense? I thought, like, we did the no-huddle thing. It just seems like it was slower and a little bit more deliberate. And I was fine with that because it worked and like we executed. It wasn't just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, move, move, move kind of thing. We got to the line. We got everybody set. We got our signals. We got, I thought it, it was slower, but I was I was cool with it. It worked. No problems. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it seems to be that trend for a while now. Not sure if it was just because of the talent discrepancy. We felt like we didn't have to go fast to, to change the outcome. But at what point does this offense stop being that? like branded as like orange right. is the new fast as like at what point do we just say okay we run the no huddle we're up tempo but like i don't know because it seemed like when dino first got here that was the whole identity it was like we're changing everything you know about this offense it's go 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 and it truly was and mm-hmm. the last couple of years it's like ah, we do the no huddle but like every time they snap it the play clock's on seven eight seconds like it's not like we're <laughs> it's not like we're rushing up to the line yeah for sure and i think the fact that, like, when you, you said, like, when Dino first got here, that's what we, it's like we just totally changed the offense. People were starting to catch on. And I think that they kind of maybe realized, hey, let's take a step back. Let's look at it. Let's be a little bit more deliberate kind of thing. But um, I, that's well, something I know. People, people, including Dino, who are a lot smarter than me on this stuff, it, <laughs> it doesn't take a, a football genius to know that, like, okay, your offense is struggling. You go up tempo you go three and out and that's 15 seconds off the clock and your, your defense is back out there. So I think there's part of that too. Agreed. Um, last thing on the offense, O-line solid. There were a couple plays where Tommy had to run around, but no legitimate complaints. I mean, we ran for like two, almost <laughs> through almost 300 yards. So I thought the offensive line looked better. I'm not saying it was like, again, I'm not saying it's spectacular, but it was better. A lot better than last year. I can't really complain. Nothing nothing too egregious about the offensive line jumped out to me. So passing grade. And one thing we one thing we knew about Ohio's defense is that they struggled to get quarterback pressures last season. Right. So I don't think it was a true test until we see it against Rutgers. But only Who's a very sack. similar team to we as to us, I would say. Yep. I know they put up sixty points on Temple, but Temple also is not very good, and Rutgers forced five turnovers and had short fields. So we'll take, we'll talk about Rutgers again in a minute, but I I don't disagree with you. I think that's a fair point, but just after one game, better to me, yep. it looks like. Small sample size, but still. Uh, jump me to the defense. Uh, toast of the Twitterverse for Syracuse, other than Sean Tucker, uh, Mr. Deuce Chestnut, the all-world true freshman. Um he had himself a night uh, defensively, had the pick at the end of the game, eight tackles, um, a pass breakup. And then there was a stat from 
PFF college. Let me pull it up if Twitter would load. 33 true freshman cover- of the year, right? Of the true week. freshman of the week, yep. Uh, 33 coverage snaps, no first downs allowed, and the pick. Like, he – there were a couple tackles where he's just an unbelievable tackler, like the just straight-up form-wise. There was one I picked up. It was, I think, in the second quarter where Ohio threw a screen, like a wide receiver screen. He was still getting blocked. He legit just shoved the guy off and tackled the guy. Like, he's yeah, an animal. He's going to be unbelievable. It was a spectacular first debut, first game. And Yeah, I don't know how you could disagree with that. The thing that maybe excited me the most, other than the, the big plays he had, it's been so long since I've seen a Syracuse defensive back like wrap up and tackle like that. A lot mm-hmm. of it has been, yeah. been arm tackling, bigger guys slipping through. Like he is, he is a textbook tackler, and that is yes. so awesome it was, to see. It was perfect. His tackling form was perfect, and I loved it. I know I sound yeah. like an old dude right now, but it was perfect. <laughs> Kids these days don't appreciate a good form tackle. They don't though. That's the thing. But uh, no, yeah, I'm kind of half serious. Like it is. It's incredible to see. Uh, also defensively, Michael Jones, Michael Jones had ten tackles. Jeff Cantor two had seven. John Carter at five. Um, Stephon Thompson hit the quarterback three times. We actually didn't have a sack, which looking back on it surprised me. Um, but overall, you held Ohio out of the end zone the entire game. There, the last field goal, I was surprised they kicked it and didn't try and score a touchdown. But whatever. Um, so, again, passing grade for me from the defense. I think there were things to improve on, but I was high on the defense coming into the season. I'm still high on the defense. So, Same here. That that secondary is really exciting, which is crazy to say after we lost three guys to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not the first to make this point, but how crazy is it that we have three starters from our secondary in the NFL in one one game? It's crazy. But it's crazy. And and just reloading this year, Garrett Williams still looking good. They didn't test him too much, and then the addition of Chestnut. Like this, this is a fun defense. So we'll Did see. You... The defensive line is like McKinley Williams still recovering from an injury. We'll see how he gets thrown in there, and then it seems like the linebackers kind of rotate a lot. So, did you see the tweet that Chestnut's like he's from New Jersey, and after last night like great recruit that Rutgers didn't offer him. I thought, so there wasn't, there something weird there. Like they were actually trying to like steal him away from us. And then he was like, no, I'm full Syracuse commit. Like, and then they were like, well, actually we never offered you to be in the first place. Like it was something real weird. He visited Rutgers in July of 2019, but Rutgers never offered him. Um, he had off Baylor, NC State, Miami, uh, East Carolina, Louisville, us, Kansas, Ole Miss, Michigan State, and then he committed to us. So he visited Rutgers, but they never offered him. Like he's in your own backyard. How do you not I'm offer that kid? Because that's that's Shiano's whole shtick. Is no, I, all the local he, guys. He might not have been the coach then. I might oh, be. Oh, gotcha. Because I, because 2020, yeah, he wasn't. 2020 was his first year back at Rutgers, so he wasn't the coach. Mm. Um, but still, he's a New Jersey kid who's a three, four-star, or three or four-star recruit. How do you not give him an offer? <laughs> like, Thank you, Chris Ash. Yeah. The hero, like, the hero that Syracuse football didn't know it needed. 
I I don't even like that's mind boggling to me. But thank you, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Chris Ash, now the DB coach with Jacksonville. Uh, so he's down is there he with really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's, huh? Another New Jersey connection. Yeah, twenty nineteen yeah, was Ash's last year. I wonder. I have to take a look at the Jags coaching staff. I wonder if Urban Meyer just filled it out with all his former assistants and whatnot. Oh yeah. Ash was fired from Rutgers on September 29th, 2019. So he was fired early in that season. So yeah, they went through that recruiting period and it was him and not Greg Schiano. But gotcha. Wild. Um did you know that Charlie Strong is the assistant head coach and inside linebackers coach on the Jaguars? Is he really? Yeah, I had no idea. That's like an all-star college staff. But yeah, I won't go down the the wormhole too much, but interesting. Well, maybe they. I hope that they can all collectively coach their offensive line to block somebody so Trevor Lawrence doesn't die. Uh, <laughs> dude, I was watching their game, their preseason game against New Orleans. The entire half, he was running for his life. It was insane. Like every play, someone was in his face. He's certainly not used to that at Clemson. No, no. Um, anyway, uh, the last thing I, I had on the game before we talk a little bit about Chris Elmore, what the hell happened on that kickoff that led to the safety? <laughs> I was watching that. I was like, he's not gonna, is he gonna, he did. Like, it was crazy. Like, what? I don't know what was going through their collective minds on that one. It was one of those moments where I was just, I was just like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. What just happened? Oh, it was so ridiculous, but it was just so stupid, but that was a great push by the defensive line to end up with that safety afterwards. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to say, it just feels good to win again. Like leading up to college football season, all my friends at work are like bigger school fans, like Miami, Georgia, Notre Dame. And whenever I try to talk about college football, they was like, oh yeah, what's your team? Oh yeah, no, your team stinks. I'm like, fuck you. And so I'm like, I'm like, we we won a game, and I'm just it just makes me happy. Like at least like there's, I feel a lot more positive than I did. I know it's one game, but we won, and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, like, I, I agree. Can... And it's it wasn't a it wasn't like a Villanova win where like we squeaked it out in overtime a couple of years back. Like it was semi convincing. You never really felt like the game was in doubt, and that was a good feeling. So felt like we maybe should have been up more. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, we had a couple field goals, like the field goal um, Schmidt kicked in the second quarter. Tommy missed Taj. He was open. Um, that probably should have been a touchdown. And then, again, Schmidt's field goal in the third was a 20-yarder. So that, those are two, again, we left. We moved the ball down the field, but we just didn't finish. So I think that's probably why we probably felt like we should have been up by more. But yeah. And it did. It did feel good to win. One of I put the uh, score on my Instagram story, and one of my buddies swept up saying, "Bro, it's Ohio. Chill out." I said, "Go away. Let me live my life." Um, <laughs> Let me live. <laughs> no, I know. Like I was just, I was feeling myself. I was happy. Uh, anyway, and then so that's. Do you have anything else on Ohio? And then we're gonna talk about Chris Elmore. Then we'll go to Rutgers. Yeah, sounds good. Um. So. Elmore didn't play. He wasn't even dressed, which surprised, I think, everybody. So Dino was asked about it. He said 
that he had little to share on Il- Chris Elmore due to FERPA, indicated it's not an indefinite absent. That's from Stephen Bailey. And then he also said to Chris Carlson, um, he won't answer questions on Chris Elmore for federal reasons. So he clearly, it's not a COVID thing. Otherwise, he would have been, wouldn't have been on the sideline. It doesn't seem like he was suspended. You think it's something academic? Like, it has, I don't know what else it would be. Yeah. Yeah, academic would be the only thing that really comes to mind. But they said, yeah, the, th- the three to four week timetable was interesting too. But did you have any other, like, speculation on what that would be? Academic is the only thing I can think of. Yeah. So, like, you know, saying it's not an indefinite absence, I think, is a good thing. It's just, it's weird that we've heard. And the we fact hear... that he was around and dressed, like, didn't seem like a COVID. No. And, like, we didn't hear anything about it until Saturday when people realized, wait, he's not in pads. Um, unless unless I miss something. But. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. That... And especially coming back for your, your sixth season, like, or fifth, fifth or sixth, I'm not sure for mm-hmm. Elmore, but. I'm not sure if he redshirted, but in any case, like, probably has a degree already, right? I think so. I think he's at least a senior, if not a super senior. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he's a super senior. But, yeah, nothing I can provide necessarily, but academics was the only thing I could even think of on that. Yeah, it's it's just such a weird – it was such a weird thing, but that'll be something we keep an eye on going up until this Saturday when we play Rutgers. Um Anything on Ohio, or do you want to jump to our very brief Rutgers preview? Because we kind of talked about them on the preview podcast. Let's go to Rutgers. All right, so first game in the Carrier Dome with fans in 650 days against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Saturday, September 11th at 2 p.m. on the ACC Network. Uh, SC leads the all-time series 29 to 29 to 12 and 1. The opening line today, Rutgers is a two-point favorite, which is I think it's probably I think that's going to swing like the Ohio one did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're a dog going into the game. But again, Rutgers in their first game of the year beat Temple sixty-one to fourteen. That was a Temple team that was picked to finish eleventh out of twelfth in the American. So take that as you will. Noah Vedral had one hundred thirty-eight yards passing, was fifteen and twenty-seven, so a little bit better than Tommy, but. They also didn't have anybody over 100 yards. They were pretty balanced. Um, Vedral, the quarterback, also actually had 58 yards. Isaiah Pacheco, their lead back, had 15 carries for only 48 yards. So the big thing was Rutgers forced five turnovers. They had some short field, and they cashed in. Um, again, we talked about Rutgers on the, on the preview podcast that we did last week. If you want to go listen to it, go ahead. Um, it, they were 3-6 and six in 2020. Vedral at 1,200 yards in 2020. Their O line, the entire O line is back, but they allowed 434 yards per game and 32.1 points per game. They did, they lit up Temple. Temple's not a good football team. We are better than Temple. Um, so I again, I do still think this is going to be a tighter game because I think Rutgers is very very similar to what we are. Like I, I think Ohio is a better team than Temple. Um, I think this is close. Most of the way, I think it's kind of ugly at times, but I think Syracuse wins this game. I just think Rutgers is getting better, and I think this will be tight, but I think we win the game, but I just think we're a little bit better. I'm with you, and it feels weird to say this, but, like, Rutgers is a pretty well-coached football team. No, yeah. It's crazy to say, like, after what we've seen the last few years, but 
Yeah, they're they're one of those teams. I know it's cliche, but like not going to beat themselves. Just like solid all around. Mm-hmm. So I do side with you. I'll stick with my preseason prediction and say we we sneak on by and and get to two and zero. But this will be a really interesting matchup. It will be, and I think it'll be. I, I think fans are still going to be like after the game. We'll have some fans that are being like, even if we win by like three, we only beat Rutgers by three. Stop. It's like basketball season when we said last year we played Rutgers. It's not the terrible, let's make fun of Rutgers teams. This team's actively getting better. Like you said, Greg Schiano's a good coach. He recruits yeah. New Jersey. He gets talent. Rutgers will be better. Um, but I think they still got some work to do. I just think, say we went about Tommy DeVito, I think he's a better quarterback than Noah Vedral, and I think we have a better backfield, and I think our defense is better. So there we go. I think Syracuse beats Rutgers. Yep. I'm with you. And then looking ahead just a little bit, I don't know what Liberty, what Albany did last week, but Liberty did blow out Campbell, who was an FCS team, 48-7. to Just keeping a, a touch on our upcoming schedule. So nothing else you want to say about Rutgers? No, I think we pretty much covered it. All right. Um, not a lot of Syracuse news. The fall sports have all started. Please go support the Olympic sports. I think they deserve a lot more. Um respect or like following than they get or just coverage than they get. I remember I was watching the soccer game. I think it was against the men's soccer game against Georgetown. I'm pretty sure I saw Jesse Edwards there. Uh, <laughs> but he, I'm pretty sure he was there. I saw him on his Instagram story. So go, go have fun. I was going to say seven feet tall. If you're in person, it's probably tough to miss. Yeah. Um, not too many Jesse Edwards lookalikes on the, the SU campus. So. The biggest thing uh, right now, Syracuse Volleyball is 6-0. and They've had a hot start to the season. Um, so I wanted to shout out the volleyball team. And Are you also... sure? Did you, did you see that in person? Okay. Or... No, so I have a story to tell. So I live in Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. I moved back here after college for work. And I haven't been to a Syracuse sporting event live since the Georgetown game where Tyus Battle hit the game winner with like two seconds left. So it's been a while. It's almost a year and a half. It's going to be two years in December. So I looked at the fall schedule. I'm like, okay, who's close? I looked at like the field hockey team is playing at UConn. The soccer team is playing at UConn. Um, but they were both on days where I have stuff going on, like family stuff or work stuff. And I'm like, I was getting disappointed. But then the volleyball team was playing a tournament at Yale. They were playing um, Quinnipiac in Hartford, which is like Hartford's the capital. Quinnipiac is where my, actually my, mom, my mom went to college. It's another local school. So I'm like, perfect. I'll go to the volleyball game. Uh, against Quinnipiac, and then I'll go to work later that night. So I roll up to Yale, drive all the way into downtown New Haven, park my car, walk into the gym. So when you walk in, there's like that signing desk, like when you're walking into like a gym to work out, like walking into Arch. He said, I said, where's the volleyball game? He said, take a right. I walk to the right. There's a girl, I think she'll be for the soccer team, sitting at the table. And she goes, are you with um, Syracuse or Quinnipiac? I'm like, well, I'm a Syracuse grad. She goes, are you on the list? I'm like, who list are we talking about here? And I guess that Yale is still restricting attendance because of COVID to just family. And that was not anywhere on their website. It wasn't on our website. I saw it nowhere. The only COVID stuff on Yale's website I saw was from last March. And now I'm not knocking Yale for restricting the attendance. That's cool. If that's what you want to do, it's your school. You can totally make that decision. I'm more so annoyed 
that they didn't post anything on the website. And I drove into New Haven thinking I could have gone to the game and I couldn't. And I was very disappointed and I was very sad. So I had to tell that. Did story. you immediately hop on? You'll be hearing from me. Hop on Google reviews. Hop on Yelp. <laughs> hop on their Instagram story. I, I left, their I left Instagram Yelp, comments. I, I left Yale Athletics a one-star Yelp review. No, I mean, I'm like, and, and you that's a handwritten letter to the AD. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Like, it's a small gym. If you want to make just be safe and make sure the and strict the stand, uh, restrict the attendance, just family. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But put it on the website so I don't drive into downtown New Haven and get nothing. Um, Jake, I, I don't disagree with you on that, but I think when you sent an invoice for your gas money, I think that was a little too far. <laughs> Reimbursement <laughs> when, when you build them, <laughs> so yeah, when you build yeah. them for your gas money, I think that was that was a bridge too far. Oh God damn it! Yeah, I'll always root for Harvard now. Uh, anyway, um, I, that's all I got for the miscellaneous Syracuse stuff. Uh, I got farewell. one. Uh, you got one? Based on, so we had our conversation randomly last week. So this came up when we were talking about Minnesota and Mark Coyle. Yeah. So Mark Coyle, most of you know, was the AD briefly in, I think, 2014, 2015, and then went back to Minnesota where he had worked previously. So we were trying to pair up, well, at least I was, to give you a, a tough question of like which hypothetical Syracuse AD and football coach combo would you pick? So here are the options. We had Dino and Mark Coyle, Scott Schaefer and John Waldhack, Doug Marone and Daryl Gross, or Jake Krauthammel, Jake Krauthammel and Greg Robinson. So, you so throw, try to match them up like fairly evenly, like a see see if we could. So you throw the you, you throw the G Rob one out immediately <laughs> because no way. Um, I hope UConn hires him because that'd be hysterical. Um, I I would probably lean toward Gross and Marone just because I think Marone's had the most success since the G Rob era. Um, I know Dino with the 10 win season, and I think that one would probably be second for me. Um, I would probably put up with the stupid home games against Penn State and USC at MetLife just to be like not going for four and eight every year. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's just like, again, he Marone coached in the Big East. It's not saying it would have translated to the ACC. This is my opinion. You can disagree with me. I don't really care. <laughs> so I think most would have. Hey, Louisville scored a touchdown. <laughs> oh, I see the laundry on the field. It's probably coming back. <laughs> no, they're not good. We're going to no. beat them. Um, but go so, on. Most would have Doug Marone as, as their number one coach. And then I'm guessing probably Dino second ahead of Schaefer. Yeah. I know there are probably some Schaefer stands still out there. But but then it gets interesting when you think about the ADs. So Kraut Hamill was there forever, but he's with G-Rob. You kind of throw that one out. Each AD, though, like – Daryl Gross did the branding was his big thing, right? And you mentioned those those random games, but he also was there for a good part of the the scandals for the NCAA violations. That's true. You think you think of Wild Hack, who's probably regarded as maybe the best out of that bunch yeah, for some people, but he's had some stuff recently, lately that does not make him yeah, look very good. The, you know the women's program and. Um, We'll see how football goes, but but you think it's just like student athlete experience. Obviously, the women's program is really 
problematic and who knows. That's the big strike against Wildhack for me yeah. in this little scenario because yeah. publicly endorsed Yeah, and then hired an assist so. and then hired an assistant who was on his staff for ten years to be his replacement. But that's not something we have we can go into right now. Uh we'll talk about that when basketball and season comes around. Coyle who hired Dino actually and then he was only here maybe a year. Was it even a full year? Did we hit a year may, with him? It may not have been. Came over from Boise State. And fundraising was his big, big thing. Whereas Wapax is obviously the media and, and all that with his ESPN ties. So mm-hmm. it's interesting which angle you go. I, my, I'm torn between Marone and Gross and Dino and Mark Coyle. Part of me thinks Dino and Coyle might be the way to go. But then again, if you had asked me before the Ohio game, I may have gone Marone and Gross. So... <laughs> That's a, that's a tough one. We're leaning way too hard into just one football game. <laughs> Very much. Very much. Um, no, so that's an I interesting hypothetical. But I would, we'll, yeah. we, should, we should put the poll out, see what the people say. Yeah, I could do that for sure. Um, that's an interesting question. That's a lot to ponder. Um, you got anything else Syracuse-wise? Anything you'd pique your interest in social media? Anything funny on the message boards? Um, we did get one message board update about how Shiano fell running out of the tunnel last week, so that was uh, <laughs> <Did he really? laughs> that was interesting. Um, and then one other oh, funny note: that. I don't have I don't have the uh, the one on hand to cite the the poster, so sorry about that if you're listening. But someone had posted about the Wisconsin tradition about uh, doing jump around, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and saying I wish Syracuse um, would have something like that and. Someone suggested that everyone jumps up and jingles their keys at the start of the floor. <laughs> so that was a, a very funny comment. Whoever posted that, I yeah, the, in the train horn, uh, the train horn, the uh, jingling the keys in a fifty thousand seat football stadium was the dumbest thing I've ever. Heard. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we need yeah, something like that. But that you can't really, you can't really, you can't manufacture like those traditions. It has to happen organically. So. Yeah, it kind of goes both ways. Like you have to do it to see if it works, but it's kind of it can't be weird. It can't be like a you know a a Duke, um, you know, uh, Cascada, Cascada <laughs> press conference entrance. That was that's yep. still like an episode of the Twilight Zone that pops up on my Twitter feed every now and again, and I'm just still like, what the hell is happening? Like. Oh, like, God, college basketball this year. Like, I'm excited for basketball. I know, like, I'm just jumping over football, and there's some people who are listening going, like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. But it's going to be it's gonna be brutal, the Coach K stuff. It's going to be every day. We're going to have to hear about it. Yep. Last I thing just, I got on that, too, we might have to think up for a, a future pod, do, like, a draft of a couple songs we would suggest for, like, Syracuse's Jump Around. That would, that would be good. Oh, that's I a do good like topic. that. I do like so, that. We'll have to ponder that. That's that's too serious to to just fire off a couple ideas. You got to really ponder. You got to think about. I I do like that. That's a good one. Can't be Cascada because that song's ruined for me now. <laughs> um, no, and you like you think I'm kidding? Every time I hear that now, I think about that press conference and it just ruined the song. <laughs> okay, for me. okay. How how often do you hear that song just organically? Well, if I'm at, like, if that's, I'm at a bar, it pops. <laughs> no, yeah. but like if I'm at a bar and it pops on, I'm like. <laughs> I, no, I feel you, but the way you're talking about it, it makes it seem like it, it pops up on your Apple Music every morning, and you're like, I do have a save on Spotify, so like it'll come up every now and again. Yeah. Oh my god. 
All right, farewell tour. You have anything in outside the Syracuse sports world, or just anything going on in the world that you want to talk about? Probably same as yours, but farewell to UConn. See you later. <laughs> yeah, how how about that situation? So the UConn loses to Holy Cross, Patriot League FCS team. Randy Edsel comes out and says that he's going to retire after this year. And then today, all of a sudden, the day after, he's done. He quit. It was like it was like the the scene in Anchorman where Will Ferrell's like, boy, that escalated quickly. Like, oh my God. Like I I I don't it's hard to fathom how far they fell and how fast because UConn was in the Fiesta Bowl after winning the Big East 10 years ago. And it just like it cratered harder than like any collapse I can think of. Like it, it it's 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 not even like I'm not even trying to make fun of UConn. It's just like it's unbelievable to me how fa- how fast it fell apart. Yeah, almost reminds you of uh, the Syracuse program, like <laughs> with the I'm like semi serious here, but when we lost McNabb in was it ninety eight was his last season, and G Rob comes in in two thousand five, so that was seven years. So like you think about it, when G Rob got fired, we were only ten remo- ten years removed from McNabb. So that, I mean yeah. that was that was similar, but the difference is we had a lot of history, national championship, bowl appearances, all of that. All Americans, like all Americans, yep, Hall of Famers. UConn's really just got the Fiesta Bowl and a couple other appearances. So, but that that is like I don't know that that's lower than it's got to be lower than Cuse was at the bottom of G Rob, no, right? It absolutely it's not is even like close. like they're losing games and they're just like. It, it's sometimes it's like watching not watching an FBS school, but like watching like a Division three team play Ohio State. Like they play Clemson this year, they're gonna lose by ninety. That's mm. your discretion advised. Somebody tweeted out. You remember the game? I don't remember if it was last year, might have been the year before. They played at Georgia Tech and won like seventy to six and put their punter in at quarterback. Yeah. Someone should they should just do that the entire game when UConn goes to the valley. Like it, it's that's gonna be a massacre. I think they're gonna be underdogs against Yale, which is insane. Do they pull the do they pull the Coach K that time to reevaluate whether we're, <laughs> whether playing football is a good thing for these student athletes? No, and like I don't what know if they how, pull, what if they do what they did last season and just not play? They're like, actually we're good. Just pull out in the middle of the year. Yeah. <laughs> they won't do it. Um but like I don't know how my dad watches that every week. Like, I I feel like if Syracuse, I, I would watch Syracuse if they were that bad. But like, like I mean, I don't even know. Like, let me rephrase it. Like, I've seen some Syracuse play bad football, but I can't imagine watching that bad of football. Like, it's just insane. Like, reading some of the comments on, like, the New Haven Register. Like after they lost to um, Holy Cross, like people are like, just screw it, just cut the program, just let's just go to like, just be a full time basketball school. I'm like, just like, cut people, the program. like people were, t- it's insane, dude, it's crazy. I would, like most I most UConn program, fans though, I talk to I, don't even care. Yeah, I wouldn't cut the program. I heard they have a couple couple good recruits coming in from Bishop Sycamore, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll be loaded up next year. The suit, the guy who took over for the head coach of Bishop Sycamore is on UConn, is the top of UConn's uh, wish list. <laughs> Give G Rob a call. Give Pasqualoni another chance. <laughs> yeah, Bishop Sycamore. I took the low hanging fruit there, but it still never gets old. 
But yeah, it's Pas- Pascaloni would not. I don't know. That would I feel feel like he would like get him up to like three wins. G Rob would just be full on comedy. I mean, at oh. that point, it would it would just be it would be Jeff's kiss. It would be perfect, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think G Rob's coached his last game uh, as a head coach. It's um, just crazy to me how he was a like the DC of Texas. Like he was like very highly regarded at the time he was hired. Like it was it was not everyone's first choice necessarily, but like crazy. Like co DC at, at Texas, DC of the Jets, the Broncos, and the Chiefs before that. Like this was no I don't know. Just crazy Schmuck. when you look back at it. Oh man. It's just it's just it's so wild to me. Um so yeah, that's all I got on the UConn thing. It's just it's crazy. Just keep an eye on it because I think some of the scores of these games going the rest of the year are going to be obscene. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think anything else. College football. Uh, ACC didn't have a great weekend. Carolina lost. Oh, I mean they they lost a the conference game though. So like Carolina lost. Miami got blown out, but that was predictable. Um, who did Georgia Tech lose to? Oh, like did they lose to Northern Illinois? Wasn't that a thing? I missed that one. Imagine losing to a Mac school in football as an ACC team. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Technically, we weren't ACC at the time, so. (laughs) I mean, we beat Ohio, though. But I'm (laughs) saying, I thought you were were talking about uh, Akron. No, I was not referencing the Akron game, but I appreciate you bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Duke lost to Charlotte. That's the first P5 win for Charlotte. Um, Clemson lost. Uh, but, yeah, some not-so-great losses on the ACC docket this past weekend. But Couldn't be me. But, but uh, yeah, couldn't be us. We got a dub. Got to love the ACC leaving Syracuse to carry the flag. Um, <laughs> where we're undefeated. Per usual. We're undefeated in Clemson, Clemson's under 500. I'm just going to leave it yeah. at that. Um, anything else? You got anything? That's it for me. All right, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, a little bit of a shorter episode. We'll be back next week after the Rutgers game. Follow us on Twitter during that. I'll be, we'll be active during the game. So, uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. Don't forget to subscribe, like, retweet, share with your friends. Please share. Our viewers have gone are going up slowly but surely. Um, last week was actually our most viewed listened to ever. So awesome. Thank you for that. And then uh, that's Keith. I'm Jake. Go orange. Go orange. <laughs>